Nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. On today's podcast, we talked to Chris Anderson, the head of TED and the author of the new book, TED Talks, the official TED Guide to Public Speaking. This is WSJ Speakeasy, your source for entertainment, pop culture, celebrity, and the arts. This is Christopher John Farley, a senior editor at The Wall Street Journal. Today, our guest on the podcast is Chris Anderson. He's the head of TED and is the author of TED Talks, the official TED Guide to Public Speaking. Mr. Anderson, thanks for talking to The Wall Street Journal. Good to be here, Christopher. Okay, so people, so for people that don't know, can you tell me what TED is and how it's changed in recent years? Because its, it's core mission and how it accomplishes that mission has really gone through um, a metamorphosis in recent years, correct? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, it started off as a conference that brought together the industries of you know, technology, entertainment, and design. That's the TE and D of TED. Um, and, um, you know, I, I came for the first time. I went to that conference in, gosh, 98, many years ago, fell in love with it, and was able to buy it from its founder and turn it into a nonprofit. And um, the big shift for us happened um, a few years later. First of all, you know, we expanded out into lots of other topics, into every topic, really, business, science, global issues, and so forth. But the big shift happened in, in 2006, 10 years ago, when we started putting a few of the talks online um, for free on the Internet. And to our surprise, found that they went viral, lots of people were interested. And so since then, we've really just been focused on um, sharing these, uh, really all of our best content free online, and we think of ourselves as, as a media organization, a nonprofit media organization, trying to spread ideas that matter using, using you know, the power of these talks. Of course, you have this book, TED Talks, the official TED Guide to Public Speaking, and that's something that everybody wants to know about. How can they speak better when they're at meetings or whether they're talking before audiences? How can they capture the audience in the way that we see some people manage to accomplish in some of your TED Talks. And in the book, you talk about a time in which you had to give a speech to help secure TED leadership. Can you tell me a bit about that and how that worked out? <laughs> yeah, so I, like many people, I'm not a natural public speaker. Um, I struggle with it. I'm, I'm scared of it. And, um, uh, and the first time I was on the TED stage was right after I'd bought the conference. And I had to persuade people that I could take over from this very charismatic founder who, who had begun TED and whose personality was throughout the conference. Most people thought TED was dead. And uh, so it was, it was stressful. I had, I had a single talk, uh, a single chance really to persuade them. And, um, you know, what I, what I tried to do was, is what I think is at the core of, of any good talk, rather than making it about me, I tried to share this idea. I mean, the, the specific idea in this case I shared was that there's something special going on at TED. It's this multidisciplinary sharing of knowledge. You know, that ends up being really inspiring. It really matters. It can't be allowed to die. And so, you know, I committed to uh, turning TED into a nonprofit and to operating for the public good. And, and that idea changed how people thought of the transition. Instead of thinking, oh, it's, it's a charismatic person's show, they thought, huh, it's for all of us. And so they got behind the, the transition after all and, you know, Suddenly, you know, within the hour of my finishing that talk, everyone signed up for the next year, and my, my panic about, you know, this thing that I'd bought dying went away. But, um, but 
But that wasn't because I was a great speaker. It was because I presented an idea. And I think that's what I really believe is at the heart of a great talk. It doesn't matter about being smooth and polished and all that, all that stuff so much as having something worth saying. Um, if you've got something worth saying, you can learn the rest. No problem. And that sort of partially addresses the question that I had, which is whether you believe that if great speakers are born or made. But what you seem to be suggesting is that it's not about the way they sort of deliver their words so much as it is about the ideas that fuel them, correct? Correct. I mean, how you deliver does matter, but what I'm saying is that it's teachable. Um, And I think what happens is that fear gets in the way here. Like a lot of people... They may have had one awkward experience and kind of where, where people, uh, you know, they, they kind of forgot what they were doing and they kind of walked off the stage in shame or something. And, and they're fearful to try again. It, it is scary. You know, it's, it's, um, um, it's, it's, it's quite possible that someone gets humiliated in, in that type of setting. And so we're naturally rightly fearful of it in some ways. But the thing is that the actual means of sharing something are very much teachable. And I think step one is to say, okay, I'm fearful of it, but I'm going to use that as motivation to prepare for this thing and to really do it well. You start there, and then the rest of the pieces can kind of fall into place. In your book, TED Talks, there are a number of ideas that I found really sort of fascinating about the way in which public speaking works. And one idea you get across is the fact that speaking is really about effective public speaking. It's about having an idea and recreating it in someone else's mind. Tell me about why that is an important idea. <laughs> well, it's kind of a miracle. And we, when you think about what an idea is, if you could actually picture it in your mind, it would be this pattern made up of literally millions of neurons connected together. And it turns out that it's possible to transfer that exact pattern into everyone in the audience's minds in a few minutes. Um, how on earth can you do that? Well, it's because of the miracle of language. Language means that many of the elements of that idea already exist in the minds of people in the audience. And your job is to weave them together. But it's very easy to go wrong there and to forget that the elements have to be there to start with. So if you use language that people aren't familiar with or use a concept that they aren't familiar with, you can lose them right away. Um, But if you're really careful and, and build things and explain things patiently, piece by piece, you can literally, in the course of 18 minutes or less, um, give someone a powerful new concept that will change how they think of the world forever. And it may actually impact what they do years into the future. I think that is a miracle, and I, I, I really love thinking of a talk that way, that you're giving people this gift that they can use forever. And speaking of giving, I mean, you also introduce a number of ideas that are sort of counterintuitive in interesting ways, where we always think of public speakers as people who are up there, and they're, they're selling something, and they're aggressive, and they're trying to get across their notions. But you also suggest that the way to really speak effectively, and you've seen it on the TED stage, is, is, is are speakers that are giving and not taking, and they're really trying to give their their audience a gift of some sort, a gift of ideas, a gift of inspiration, and they're not trying to aggressively sell whatever they're representing, whether it's a book or whether it's a, um, a, a company of some sort or whether it's a lifestyle. I, I want to know your take on why that's important and how you've seen that in, in play on the TED stage. Well, it's important because you can't push knowledge into someone's brain. It has to be pulled in. If you say, you have got to know this, um, here's my work, boom, you must know it, people 
will just reject it. And that's why talks that come from a place of sort of ego um, or it's clear that the speaker has an agenda often don't work. The audience just will shut down and push back. So your first job really as a speaker is to persuade people that they, they want to come with you on a journey. They want to open up their mind to what it is you have to say. And so that starts from a position of, of trust and, and liking someone, which is why humor can often play an important role early on. If people start laughing with you, then, you know, they, they like you. They're going to say, come on in. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Tell me what you've got to say. Um, but it's really, really helpful, therefore, to think of this as a gift. I've got something really special that, that, uh, that you need to know. And, and here's how I got interested in this thing. And you start to give people a reason to care about it and to have questions about it. And then they will start to pull it in, pull it in, pull it in. So that's, that's the difference. And you explore this in your book, but one thing I'd love to hear your take on is the whole debate that goes on with people about whether or not they should deliver their speeches from notes or whether they should sort of read it, read it completely from a teleprompter. Because, you know, in, in, on one level, if you sort of deliver a speech spontaneously, people can feel that spontaneity and that energy. But, you know, you may lose your way or trip over your words or not, or, or not know what to say next. But if you actually have it all written on a teleprompter, um, uh, you, you do have it can, you can deliver things more smoothly, but it might also seem robotic. Where do you come down in that sort of eternal right. debate between speaking from sort of just a couple notes and speaking from a completely prepared and polished speech? So there's there's definitely more than one way to go here, and different speakers will have have different solutions. What people hate is the sense that they're either just just being read to, or that someone is kind of reciting robotically words. Because what that takes away from the audience is the ability to, you know, judge whether they can trust a person. There's so much magic that happens in the interplay between when you hear someone kind of thinking out loud and thinking their way into your mind. You can make judgments the whole time of, do I really believe this? Do I sense this? When, when someone's reciting or reading, that gets taken out of the equation, and um, it's no longer nearly as interesting. So, the, in many speakers will tell you that the best way to give a talk is not to memorize it. It's to, it's to give it from, you know, bullet points that you've prepared so that you can exactly have that sort of sense of a live interaction, of com- conversation going on between your mind and uh, the audience. And some speakers can do that effectively. But as you rightly say, the risk is that you go off topic, you forget the key things that you want to say, that you ramble, that you go over your time limit and so forth. Um, so for a really important talk, there's, there's quite a strong case to go the different route, which is to really craft a speech and to um, know it, to, to, to get every word right, and then to memorize it so that you can get past the point where it sounds recited. This is what people miss, is that there's actually a spot beyond the point that sounds robotic, where it comes alive again, where you really know the thing so well. So if you think about the song, Happy Birthday, you sing Happy Birthday to someone, you're thinking about them, right? You're, you're, you're wishing them joy, and you're connecting with them. You're not thinking, how do I remember what words come next? You know that song so well. You kind of need to get your talk to that point where you're not struggling to remember it. Your whole mind is focused on the meaning of what you're saying. If you can get there, it's, it's like an, an actor who's, who's gone from reciting lines to, to being a character. That's what you kind of want to get to. So I think... I think um, there, there's definitely more than one way to go. Um, and you have to kind of make the decision early whether you're going to memorize or just speak from those. If you memorize, you have to really commit to doing it so well, much better than you think. Maybe, you know, you have to be able to give the talk double the speed with the television on, kind of thing. 
And um, I, I think it's, you know, I think it, that's a really important decision, but it's beautiful when you see it done right. And many of the best TED Talks have actually been memorized, but you couldn't tell. Well, we're going to take a break for now and come right back with a little bit more from Chris Anderson, the head of TED and the author of the new book, TED Talks. Hi, this is Jason Gay, sports writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I have a podcast called Free For All. And guess what? It's not just sports. We'll also talk about some real estate, some music, some culture, some fashion. I could talk about fashion. It's the Free For All. Become a subscriber on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. And check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Hey, this is Chris Farley, senior editor at The Wall Street Journal. I'm talking to Chris Anderson, the author of TED Talks, and he's also the head of TED. Okay, in reading this book, there's one notion you introduced, I think, near the end of it that I found really interesting. You know, we all know the robots are coming for our jobs, that artificial intelligence right now is taking on more and more sort of blue-collar jobs and moving on to white-collar jobs, and anything that an AI can do, it eventually will do better than humans, but you think there still leaves space for, for humans that somehow public speaking is an important part of that. Can you explain that? Um, sure. Um, I mean, I think that there's a real renaissance happening right now in, in public speaking, precisely because a talk can be shared across the world. And I think there's, there's just an important role to play for uh, the interconnectedness of knowledge is what, I, is what I call it. And here's why. Anything that is automatable will be taken over by, by robots. The role for humans to play is to, is to be creative. You know, we, we can do things that robots can't do just through this unique and extraordinary human act of creativity. And I think an absolute key to that is to be exposed to inputs from lots of different areas. So certainly the best ideas I've had have come from listening to people from completely disconnected sources saying something that suddenly connects to something I know, and you go, oh, there's a spark. So the ability to share what we're passionate about in a way that others can find accessible, I just think it gets more and more important as, we, as we're in this knowledge age. We have to figure out how to share ideas that actually matter to us. And, and I think it's important to come out of the sort of the deep trenches that we live so much of the time and get exposure from people in neighboring trenches and see how what we're doing relates to what other people are doing. That's where the sparks come from. We spark off each other all the time. And public speaking done the right way plays an incredibly important part of that. And because a talk can ripple out now across the world, it's really worth investing in the effort to figure out how to do that. But on the flip side, you know, I have a 13-year-old son. I see him interacting with his 13-year-old friends, and they're on the phone all the time, on the computers all the time. They're on social media on the time, all the time. Sometimes they'll be sitting at the same table or having lunch or dinner or snacks together, and they're communicating over the web instead of to each other. And that has to erode the way in which they're able to publicly speak and verbally communicate with each other. So instead of a renaissance of public speaking, are we in an age where we're, gonna, we're growing a generation of kids that really can't speak and communicate effectively with, with each other and they need help? 
I mean, I certainly think there are dangers from technology used the wrong way. And the Internet's full of distractions. It's very easy for people to kind of get owned by it and to lose their own agency and to sort of enter this almost sleepwalking mode where our screens own us instead of the other way around. But I do think that public speaking actually has an important role to play, provided you, you kind of redefine what you mean by that. In the connected era, public speaking isn't just speaking on a stage. It could be speaking into your phone, you know, having that recorded and going out to 500 people. And I, I would certainly argue that the skill to do that effectively doesn't come naturally. You have to think about it. You have to do it the right way. You have to think, instead of just mumbling whatever comes into your head, you've got to think, you know, how can I give something of value to these people? But I think the skills of presentation um, are actually going to get more important. It's just that they will have this uniquely modern flair where you can mix the, the magic and mystery of a, a human voice and human eyes looking and connecting with other humans with some of the extraordinary digital tools that, that uh, can take you as far as you can imagine. Um, it's in that mixture, I think, there's a lot of magic. Okay, so you have this book, TED Talks, the official TED Guide to Public Speaking. Are there three things you hope people take away from your book? It has lots of ideas and lots of things and and lots of helpful hints on how, uh, giving people the tools to be better speakers. But are there three things you hope people take away from it if they read the book? Yeah, sure. I mean, the first would be um, that you can do it, um, that public speaking isn't this terror that is inaccessible to you. It really is coachable. It's worth taking the effort to do it. Um, second would be that when, when you think of your talk, do think of it as a gift and not a take. Start with what your audience can use. Um, and so third, you know, focus more than any technique about speaking. Focus on having something worth saying. That's honestly, when all said and done, the only point that really matters. Um, substance matters a hundred times more than style. So what are, you do what are you doing that other people should know? What idea is in your mind that the world would be a better place if more people knew that idea? Spend time there first. Think about that. When you've got that figured out, the rest is, is relatively easy. You know, the, the fact that you were able to so easily and fluidly break down your book into three really interesting points makes me think it really works. So thanks a lot, Chris Anderson, for talking to the Wall Street Journal. I appreciate it. The book is TED Talks, the official TED Guide to Public Speaking. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.